Next on BYUSN, a guarantee for the ages. If you could guarantee a BYU football win over either Texas or Oklahoma in 2023, which one are you taking and why? And the first lines are out for BYU season opener. How much is BYU favored by and is it too much? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, May 25th. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who scored 100% on his BYU football history AP exam, Jerem Jordan. I feel confident that I do pretty good in that. I don't know about a hundy, but uh, yeah. Uh, AP, what was your, did you take AP class? I assume you did because you were an academic, uh, you know, all state. What was your favorite AP class? I did not take a single what? AP class. What? Took I'm not academically inclined, and I took three. No, why? Well, I wanted to enjoy my high school career, especially no, I, in my I senior loved, year. I loved, they weren't that hard. Uh, I took uh, a bunch of honors classes, no AP classes, yeah. though. Well, okay. Uh, AP Gov was super fun, and it wasn't even hard. <laughs> I, I nailed that one. They didn't have a BYU football AP history class in my high school. I did want a sports. I proposed in, like, a 10th grade English class a sports uh, history class. Okay. Like, why is it just the history of the country? Like, there's an angle that could be, like, they, it, isn't there some Lord of the Rings class at BYU? Like, we could have a <laughs> sports history class, couldn't we? Which brings us to this 100 because there's how many days oh, to yeah. the Bearcats? Countdown to the Bearcats. 100 days. Hey, keeping it 100. Let's go, baby. 100 days away. Not from BYU's inclusion in the Big 12. That's right around the corner. Yeah, that's but from like the a first five weeks, so. football game as an official member of the Big 12 Conference. That's exciting. Uh, are we going to start doing the countdown every day because we're sub-100? What's our decision there? We, just... are, we are getting into the doldrums, the lonely and dreary oh, summer. So oh, maybe, trust me. Maybe when we, we discuss what we're going to talk about on the show, I feel it every morning. <laughs> okay, also on today's show. Brian Howell of BuffZone.com to discuss the rumors surrounding Colorado and the Big 12. Do they want to be in the Big 12? Do they want to stay in the Pac-12? What do they think of the contrived rivalry with Utah? Some interesting comments on Zach Wilson from the Jets GM. Plus, is Zach a Big 12 legend? Huh? Who's saying that? <laughs> it's like in the WCC when I saw Jimmer Fredette brought up. I was like, what? <laughs> he didn't play this league. Another report of a men's hoops opponent, why Brigham Young himself would love this one. And the newest Deep Blue featuring BYU gymnast Lindsey Hunter using art to get her from the hospital room to the balance beam. Plenty of reasons, my friend, to rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Did he take this all the way? Yes! Hurdles his way! Highlight reel! Touchdown! The Cougars upset the third-ranked team in the country. Oh, good vibes right there. Ooh, feeling good. In the spirit of 100 days away from the first BYU football game, if you could 100% guarantee a win over either Texas or Oklahoma. It is May 25th. In the one and only season that BYU gets to play Texas and Oklahoma as yep. conference foes within the Big 12. Jerem, which game are you guaranteeing a win with and why? Now, Texas is on the road, and there's a lot there. Oklahoma is at home. And it is senior day. A ton slash there. night, we think. Woo, there's a lot. I think it's Texas. Uh, I would take either, but I would take Texas because of the brand, because of Matthew McConaughey, because of the 2013 and 14 games. Keep that going. Let's make up some rivalries that don't exist. Okay. Bijan Robinson versus Tyler Algier. Okay. Longhorn Network versus BYU TV. <laughs> None of these rivalries exist. We're making it up. The preseason pick to win the Big 12 by most accounts. 
perhaps um, the team that is always hyped the most preseason. If we think you we think? get hyped, um, you know, it's, it's Texas. Uh, always expected to be good. The fact that BYU has been so good against both is also interesting. Cougar Stats says, BYU combined 6-1 and one against Texas and Oklahoma. Of all the teams who have faced these two at least seven times, BYU has the highest winning percentage in college football history. Notre Dame second at uh, 78%, BYU 86%. I would take Texas. Honestly, okay. I would take both. Okay. I would take both. Oh, yeah. Like either is what I mean. Um, I'm hoping BYU gets one. I don't want 0-2. 2-0 feels like too much. I will take 1-1 one one right now, and the one I would take is Texas. That is going to be such a huge game in late October. My birthday's two days later. All I want for my birthday is a win at Texas. There is no wrong answer here because That's... both of the wins would be massively important and impactful totally. for BYU. And they're games that BYU will not be favored in. So when you go into a season and – you know, odds makers are looking at these games. They're just chalking those up as losses. So that's like stealing 100%. one back, yes. right? All of the reasons you gave for BYU beating Texas, I agree with. We And I want the PTSD to continue for Texas's fan base against BYU, where it's like, oh, my gosh, we can't beat those guys. Uh, yeah, I went to the spot. Uh, you know, last weekend on Saturday, I was I was at the hurdle spot, and I was like, oh, man, this is this is it. Like, could, could Keaton Slovis be doing something right here this year? Could Aiden Robbins... Could all these guys, like, could Keanu Hill? Yeah, there's there's some PTSD, even though it's been yeah. 10 and 9 years, respectively. If I have to lean one direction, and this is based Great primarily, points. primarily on the fact that it would be a late November win, and maybe BYU would need it for bowl eligibility. You get Oklahoma, it's senior night. Oh, my gosh. If I could guarantee that all of the BYU seniors leave Lavelle Edwards Stadium with just an epic win over a huge brand in Oklahoma, then I'm probably leaning that direction. And mm. Oklahoma's projected to win nine, maybe ten games They always this year. will be, even though last year they stunk. BYU is yeah. only undefeated against one of these teams. I would love for that undefeated mark to continue against Oklahoma. Yep. Get to 3-0. and yep. And with, along with senior night, yes, maybe BYU is playing for bowl eligibility, but just to welcome the Sooners in and then send them off to the SEC with a big old fat loss as they go into their big money scenario and BYU moves on in the Big 12, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, BYU also is going to be playing against Dylan Gabriel for a second time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, foot 11 I would Dylan love for Gabriel. Keaton Slovis to be the guy that outplays Dylan Gabriel, who is projected by some, if not to be the best quarterback returning in the Big 12, one of them, along with Jalen Daniels at Kansas and Quinn Ewers at Texas. I think his production is one of the best. I don't yeah. think he's one of the best. Like, We're not, we are not completely sold on like him. If, I, if you put Dylan Gabriel on UCF, he's not talked about in the same way as Oklahoma. He's got some awesome weapons. We're hoping that Keaton Slovis is – really good at BYU, and that he wasn't a product of NFL guys around him as freshman year at USC. We're confident that that is not the case, that he yeah. will be a good quarterback independent of that situation. Granted, we hope BYU's successful O-line, a good running back in Aiden Robbins, and some good receivers obviously uh, coalesce in a way that's awesome. But in both of these games, Spence, BYU, not even close to being considered good win probability. No. 5% yeah. at Texas. What are they playing at, Georgia? Was it like, like 18% against Oklahoma? 18% against Oklahoma. Like, that one is weird. BYU's at home. I'm not sure Oklahoma's yeah. going to be amazing. Listen, Oklahoma's been a way better program than Texas the last 20 years. Like, not even close. 100%. 
not even close. We talked about it a, a couple weeks ago in like the New Year's Six appearances <laughs> for Oklahoma. It's like ridiculous. Oklahoma has like as many New Year's Six appearances as BYU has like whack titles. Like just a stupid amount. They are so good. But last year didn't didn't have it. Did not have it. Can they? Will they struggle again? Will BYU be in a position at the end of the season where they are healthy enough, where they are motivated enough? Perhaps they need it for bowl eligibility and senior day, and that's enough, right, in terms of motivation, that you get one of those wins. The toughest road environment that BYU faces this entire year is at Texas. Like, that will be hard. At Arkansas, It wasn't tough in 2014. (laughs) Well, (laughs) not when you put up 41. (laughs) Like, but here's the thing. In 2014 and 13, BYU had an NFL backfield in Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. I dare say the best – uh, quarterback running back combo okay. BYU's ever had. Does BYU now the though? Two. Do they have NFL we players hope. in Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins? We've listen. BYU hopes that. We hope that, but we need to see that. Um, and in late October, how beat up is BYU? In late November, how beat up is BYU? That's why I will. These are one of my I concerns. I would guarantee the November one. It's like who knows what BYU is. If I, but if I'm guaranteeing, it's so late. Yeah. In the season, like, yeah, just figure out a way to win your senior night game. And you brought up a, a, a fun angle within the Texas-BYU rivalry, if we're calling it that. There's that one. The Sarkeesian factor is also interesting. And Sark, which, by the way, talking to, uh, you know, uh, an assistant coach uh, with the women's volleyball team, David Hunt, he said, oh, Sark's the best. He said, we love him here. He could not be nicer. He said, we'll bring women's volleyball recruits to say, hey, we got one this weekend. He's like, bring him on in. I want to talk to him. So he's, he is the best. And uh, we talked about how much we love Sark here, too. So Holy that, cow. That angle, obviously, is going to be a huge. Six and one combined, BYU is against these two teams. Unbelievable. Can Colby Clawson run out the flag against Oklahoma? <laughs> like, Colby Clawson, by the way, is working with the sports medicine yeah, department. I think that's an obvious training. choice, right? Let's just make that happen. He is, he is the one bringing Let's out the flag. Let's speak it into existence. Colby, you're going to be carrying out a flag. And he, and he <laughs> brings out, like, uh, like, a, like, a sling. And just, like, hands it to the Oklahoma sideline. <laughs> he runs over to the sideline with a sling, hey, a ceremonial give this sling. this to Sam oh and that gosh. AC joint. Okay, topic two. <laughs> that would be so bad. Topic two, BYU opens up as a 23.5-point favorite from DraftKings, 24 uh, from Caesars, your, your favorite Roman betting uh, source. Point favorites against Sam Houston in the opener. What do you make of that line? E2 Brute. <laughs> Uh, I think it's fair. Sam Houston. That big's fair? Yeah, okay. I think it's fair. It's The juice will be high for BYU for sure in early September. And you're asking a team that's making the jump. This is their first FBS game mm-hmm. ever. Yep. And, and it's on the road in Provo the year that BYU goes into the Big 12. And it's a P5 team. It'll be a sellout crowd. I mean, people have been clamoring. Clearly, they feel strongly about having a spot in Lavelle Edwards Stadium for this year and season yep. tickets and all that. Yep. So I think it's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I, I thought, yeah, probably 20. So it's a, it's a little bit higher than I thought it would be. I feel be. the same way. It's a touch high. Like, like 20 or 21 is probably where I would have put it. But it's not so egregious that I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like you was 30? 30? It's like, know. whoa, that's a little bit too much. I certainly hope BYU wins the game by that much. I'd probably put it at 21. But, you know, this is a good opportunity to remind everybody what could have been here. Okay. Yep. Remember when Tennessee was slated to be the team that was opening up the season in Provo? Would you want that right now, by the way, given how uh, tough the schedule already is? 
I don't think so. I don't think I would prefer the BYU open up the season with Tennessee if, with so many new parts. If you took Arkansas off the board, maybe I would say yeah. yes. Yes, but you got to play at Art two SEC teams and then nine Big Twelve games. Yeah. No, no, no. too like, much. Eliminating that one. Well, BYU didn't do it. Tennessee bought it up, but yeah. yeah and BYU got paid for it. So and, win, well, win. Well, they're giving it back. Uh, a pr- reported one point two. Yeah. Uh, to Mr. Sam Houston. This is a battle of two uh, men uh, going at it. Brigham Young versus Sam Houston. Okay. Okay, yes, new FBS team. They're in Conference USA now. Don't forget, uh, in 2021, in the, in the uh, spring, uh, this team went 11-1. and And then in the fall, they went 10-0 and won the national championship. Like, this was a really good program. Sure, sure. 2022, they struggled. They were 5-4. and But they did hold out their top receiver and arguably their top linebacker. Okay. So they, they are going to play those guys. They have the WAC Defensive Player of the Year. Fun WAC connection, obviously, in uh, Kavion Gaither. This, this is a team that really struggled last year on offense, but defensively only gave up 20 points a game. Like, they have some ballers on defense. So, um, to, for BYU to be a 24-point favorite, listen, in the first game, certainly hope that. Traditionally, in the first game, especially with the new QB, you don't score as many points as you think. I love to think that BYU gets in the 40s in this game and holds Sam Houston something like 14 or 17, and then you're sitting around that 23. Hey, if it's mark. a 35-10 game or a 38-13 game, I'd, awesome. I'd take that right now. Yes. And then the next week, you tune up again, FCS opponent Southern Utah. Now you got a real test at Arkansas, and then you're into Big 12 play. This is as good of a sort of ramp up, yes, by the way, I as BYU has slow ever build. had. Obviously, I love the slow build. SCU first would have been preferred, but I don't really care. You have a winnable G5 game, you have an FCS game, and then you have a P5 game. Like, this is the perfect ramp up. And then Arkansas is the toughest uh, opponent in terms of physicality. You're going to play for a few weeks because they got Kansas Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping BYU can win both those games and be sitting at 4-1 and one with the one loss at Arkansas. That would be the most ideal situation. Then you only need two wins in the next seven to get a, to a bowl game. If you go and beat Arkansas and you're 3-0, now you give yourself a little bit, cut yourself a little bit of slack going into Big 12 play. It's oh, like, my oh, gosh. Maybe you lose at Kansas, but then come on and beat Cincinnati, you're still 4-1. Right, but you're not going to take a loss at Kansas if you win at Arkansas, like Ooh. emotionally. You're going to be like, whoa! <laughs> well, it's because BYU will be for the ranked in the top now. 20. It's like, and it's slow down. This is what BYU has done. Yes. Yeah, way to wear that T-shirt and uh, rile the people it, up. You know it was a calculated effort today. <laughs> And it was a whack schedule. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't in the whack. You know who was in the whack? Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Yeah, He's be in absolutely. This line is so unique, Jerem, that it also brings about a very interesting stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. So it turns out, courtesy of our friend Mitch Harper over at KSL Sports, that this is BYU's largest week one spread against an FBS team. Since 1989, in 34 years. How much of this is um, Sam Houston stinks versus BYU's a P5 team now? Probably a little of both. BYU did it against New Mexico in 1989. New Mexico was a terrible team. They and opened BYU the season with a whack game. Yeah. It's a weird deal. Yeah, and BYU did that in 1990 as well against UTEP. Right. Yeah, before they played Miami. Football is weird, 30 years. Very different, 11 game schedules. What is that? They didn't have TV money like now. Yep. Yeah, there were a lot of different things. Yeah. So this, this, is, this is unique. This is, this is a healthy line for BYU, one that's uh, 34 years in the making in terms of just how big the spread is. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think like, yeah, 0-1 against Tulane, obviously a huge result there, but BYU wasn't expected to be that good. So, 
Yeah, and BYU's not expected to be that good this year. I, I think this is indictment more on Sam Houston's sort of uh, five and four record last yeah, year. Yeah, having Provo. to play on the road in Provo. Yeah, uh, but listen, uh, this is a team that's again competed for FCS titles, has a lot to prove, held out a couple guys. Could be inter- could be a little more interesting than we're hoping for. As long as BYU wins by seventeen plus, I'm good in this one. Like yeah. if BYU does not cover that, but they win by seventeen, and they score at least in the thirties, then I'm good. But we will, we are going to react strongly because we're going to say, well, this leads to this in Big 12 play, no matter what in game one, no matter what. Like if BYU wins 31 to 17, we'll be like, 17 was too many. You didn't score enough. (laughs) If you give up 17 to the Sam Houston, what are you going to give up to Kansas? Well, you just put out the curse of 17 plus. So now BYU is not going to win by 17 plus. Should I go back and detail all the time 17 (laughs) didn't do anything? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I, by the way, Saturday I was, you know, calling a rugby game, and I, I tried, I tried to jinx the kicker by saying all it. the stats. You couldn't still do it. Made it. He still made so it. As soon as he made it, I go chalk it up for the announcer jinx doesn't exist. Okay, <laughs> got it. Come on now. <laughs> Our question of the day: we're, We told you we're keeping it a hundred. Are you one hundred percent guaranteeing a win over Sam Houston in game one? Yeah. Yeah, so am I. I'm 100%. I'm 100% on that. I'll even throw out 17 plus right now to make everybody nervous. 100. He's guaranteed, 100% guaranteeing a win at 17 plus. You'll like the way you look. I guarantee it. (laughs) You'll like the way the BYU offense looks. I guarantee it. If you could 100% guarantee a win for BYU either over Texas or Oklahoma, the lone shot that BYU has at those two teams as co members of the Big 12. Which team are you choosing a guaranteed win over and why? Ben Peterson on Twitter says, Texas. I want the Texas faithful to feel a shiver up their spine every time they see the stretch Why? They already do, Ben. The losses should haunt their dreams with Taysom Hill leading the charge. Unfortunately, the bye week for the Saints is in week 11. Otherwise, Taysom <sighs> could run out the flag. Okay. On that one. How Jordan, epic would that be? Jordan Royal on Twitter answers, Oklahoma, senior night with possible bowl eligibility yeah. on the line with the Rock and Lavelle Edwards Stadium atmosphere. No-brainer. Mm, not a no-brainer. Okay. No, this is a double one. It's not a no-brainer. It is tough. <laughs> At CDShaw99 on Twitter, I'd take the guarantee of beating Texas. Okay. BYU has a better chance of winning at home on senior night against Oklahoma. Again, this is a guarantee. So he's banking that senior night emotions like, will just you win. You just it. have a better shot. Okay? Yeah, you take your chance in that. Yeah. He said after the, or, uh, winning on senior night is a better chance after dark, no less, when BYU has been really yep. good yep. in late games, mm-hmm. than winning on the road in Texas where Bama escaped by the skin of their teeth last year. Yeah, in a, in a day game. I, I wonder when this game will be. I bet the Texas game is probably during the day. Probably, yeah, like an early afternoon game. It's going to be. Feels uh, like it. It'll be nice temps, probably October 28th in Austin. Hey, if it's not a day game, whatever. BYU plays really well at night. I'm good with that. Do we care when the games are um, in the Big 12? I do. I'm talking at home. They will be at night, we think. I do. I don't want any noon kickoffs, and BYU's going to probably have a couple of those, probably at West Virginia. Noon kickoff in most cases will give you better exposure. Not always. But, like, you have a (sighs) chance of being that Fox game. Like the Morgantown situation, having to play at noon Eastern. Is there any Morgantown situation we're going to be cool with? Like, that was perfect. Hey, I would take a night <laughs> game there just to give BYU a little bit more time to acclimate in. Like, those early kickoffs Eastern time are yeah. typically been brutal. What do you mean? At Michigan in 2015, it was fine. <laughs> Join us tomorrow for a BYU Sports Nation special that takes a look back at the 2020 Cougar football team, 2020 BYU football performing in a pandemic. 
tomorrow at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Ready. What a wild ride that was. Mm. Holy cow. Speaking of wild rides, up next, we got the insider who's tracking what the heck is going on at Colorado with the Pac-12 and rumors with the Big 12. Brian Howell joins Jerem Jordan one-on-one -on -one next to discuss all of the conference realignment scenarios. And is Colorado really thinking about moving to the Big 12? This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to Studio B Live on BYU Sports Nation. I'm Jerem Jordan alongside Spencer Linton. Well, certainly this week, Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman talking about Colorado to the Big 12, Deion Sanders there, the, B, uh, the, the Utah-Colorado rivalry, the transfer portal with Colorado. The Buffaloes have been in the news quite a bit, so we wanted to catch up with all things Colorado relative to the Big 12 and otherwise with our guy Brian Howell of BuffZone.com. All right, Brian, Barry Trammell of the Oklahoma certainly stirring it up, uh, mentioning that uh, Colorado could join the Big 12 soon. I don't know what soon means. Uh, what are you hearing, and what do you think of all this? Well, I, I don't know what soon means in his timeline either, but uh, I, I'm not hearing that anything is imminent at Colorado. That you know, I, I don't think that that's on their radar right now for something that they're going to be doing like this summer or anything like that. I mean, I, th I still think the preference for Colorado is to stay in the Pac-12 if they can. Uh, but I think they might be uh, preparing for you know contingencies and things like that in case other dominoes fall. But I don't think they're ready to make that leap yet. And that's what we're all kind of waiting for. And it feels like it hinges on the Pac-12 TV contract, which hasn't been finalized or announced. There's lots of rumors around it. Um, what, what are you thinking of what's going on uh, in the Pac-12 and what could happen based on what does or doesn't happen with that deal? Yeah, I think a lot of it is obviously dependent on that deal. Um, I think schools want to find out what are we actually valued at before we uh, make this decision whether to leave or not. Um, it has taken longer than most people expected. Um, I, I thought the deal would be done by now. I'm a little surprised we're going into summer of 2023 without a deal. But um, I think that, that that's a big thing as far as keeping these schools together. Um, and, you know, depending on how that turns out, you know, then we might see some dominoes fall if the money is not there. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things financially with the Pac-12 that have come out recently as far as uh, some overpayments by Comcast in the last 10 years that now all the schools have to absorb over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of things they got to, you know, try to make up with money-wise. And uh, they need a, a good contract here with the TV deals um, in order to kind of keep these teams together. Given the issues that you just mentioned and the lack of a TV deal quite yet, which well, they don't technically need one for another year, but it's sort of just this glue that could keep it all together. What are you thinking about uh, kind of Colorado in the Pac-12? Because it feels like there's certainly a few reasons to perhaps want to go to the Big 12, uh, which was the old stomping grounds. Yeah, and to me, I, in talking to Colorado people, I think the only reason to want to go to the Big 12 would be if that's the best landing spot financially. I think everything else they would rather be in the Pac-12. I mean, the, their uh, alumni footprint is way bigger in the in the, in the the Pac-12 than it is in the Big 12. I think the fans would much rather go to Pac-12 cities than Big 12 cities and uh, and things like that. So I think they would much rather be in the Pac-12, but um, I think they're going to go wherever the best financial uh, you know landing spot is for Colorado. With that uh, TV deal, um, do you feel like it's got to be done in the next couple of months or there may be some movement of teams wanting to leave? Because it feels like if there's two teams that leave, that perhaps that's the domino that sort of makes things crumble. But 
you could always add a San Diego State and SMU, as, as we saw flirt, uh, the, the dating uh, the last couple months a little bit with Klyovkov at uh, both those places. What, what would it take for this to ultimately crumble? Because so far it's held together, but it feels like it's being held together with scotch tape. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's a, probably accurate. Um, I, I think a deal's probably got to be done this summer. Um, and if it doesn't, then I think you start to worry if you're the Pac-12, if you're those schools. And I think, you know, all it takes is uh, one or two schools, and, and pro- pro- probably not one, but two coming together and deciding to leave together. And I think that if that happens, then all of a sudden the Pac-12 is really in trouble and uh, and you start looking at this thing crumbling. Um, and I think if you don't have that TV deal, maybe by August, then I think it's going to be really tough to um, you know look at the long-term uh, of the Pac-12 and say, yeah, it's healthy. We're talking to Brian Howell of BuffZone.com on BYU Sports Nation. How has it been with uh, Colorado and the Pac-12? Certainly it's been uh, you know 11 or 12 years now. And uh, certainly you mentioned the alumni base and sort of the, we've been to the Big 12, we like the Pac-12. What is sort of the vibe of what Colorado wants at this point with its future? Yeah, I mean, obviously the football product has not been very good, and but it wouldn't have been in any conference uh, because they, they just, they've made other mistakes football-wise. But um, as far as the, being in the Pac-12, um, I think it's been very well received for Colorado in that, you know, financially, I know there's some issues with the Pac-12, but um, being in the Pac-12 has allowed them to uh, probably increase their their donor revenue. Uh, they've got a new champion center. It's not new anymore. It's probably five or six years old, but um, that they were able to get because they're in the Pac-12 and reach out to some of those alumni out west. And so um, I think they've they've liked being in the Pac-12 overall. But uh, you know, at, at some point you got to look at the future and say, where's the best uh, place for us financially uh, in the future? And if that's the Big 12, then I see them making the jump. But if it's the Pac-12, I think they're going to stay put. Is it a straight numbers game? Because certainly the exposure of being on the likes of ESPN and Fox with a little less money probably has a certain amount of value. Um, so what is it about? Because, you know, there, there have been uh, you know, rumors of oh, the CW involved. It's like, whoa, what? If the, if the money is equal with the Big 12, but it's not ESPN Fox, is that still go- a good situation? I think so because of, of so many other things. In the Pac-12, um, a, a lot of it that you know, doesn't get talked about because it's not um, interesting um, is the academic side of it. And these uh, these schools align very well academically. Colorado fits better academically with a lot of the the schools in the Pac-12. And what I mean by fit is they do a lot of research, uh, you know, collaboration and things like that. And so I think if the money is is equal. I think the presidents are going to want to uh, stay in the Pac-12 because it aligns better for a lot of reasons. What is the value of the academic research institution is the question as well. <laughs> which <laughs> That's is right. A, which is a phrase that Utah fans use against BYU quite a bit, which brings me to this. Utah and Colorado felt like a forced rivalry when the two entered the Pac-12. How's that been? Because BYU fans kind of look at it like, really? <laughs> no, it, it's still a forced rivalry. And, and <laughs> Um, I, I don't even know if it's proper to use the word rivalry because uh, there's just not a whole lot there. I mean, it's uh, yes, it's forced in that on rivalry weekend at the end of the year, that's who the Pac-12 puts uh, CU against. But uh, there, there's not a lot there. I mean, um, early on in the Pac-12 days, uh, every one of those games was close and they kind of meant something. Um, you know, when CU uh, you know, clinched the South Division in 2016, they did it by beating Utah. 
there was a couple times that you know both teams were uh, going for bowl games or whatever. There was one year they were both five and six going into it. The winner would go to a bowl, the loser would not. And so there were some things at stake, but they don't hate each other. And, you know, that's kind of the key to a rivalry. And for Colorado, their biggest rival is still Nebraska, which they've only played a few times in the last uh, you know decade or so. So, um, I mean, that's the team that uh, CU fans still hate. Yeah, if you just flash back like 13 years, uh, it's like, what? Nebraska's in the Big Ten and Colorado's in the Pac-12? Like, everything has changed. And certainly change coming in the form of Deion Sanders. What's that been like so far? And certainly the transfer portal has been busy there in Colorado. Yeah, well, it's it's been a circus. Uh, you know, when you've got a celebrity head coach, uh, it's going to be very different, uh, especially coming from, you know, Carl Durrell, who I like personally, but you know, was a very quiet personality. Um, Deion Sanders is not a quiet personality. <laughs> uh, probably the most confident man I've ever met in my life. Um, and, you know, that rubs off uh, on the team. You see it uh, on social media and in all the videos they post. So, uh, I mean, it was a media circus uh, all throughout spring. And, yeah, and then the transfer portal, they've kept us busy since spring ball. Um, I haven't had a whole lot of reason to go to Boulder uh, because there's not a lot of access uh, to the team. But they've kept us plenty busy with all the uh, movement in the transfer portal. I mean, it's 40-some players out and, and almost 40 in since the spring game a month ago. So uh, it's been very busy and, and kind of wild to watch. Well, it has been wild, and uh, BYU coaches have been watching it uh, in the transfer portal with a couple of Colorado players as well. Brian, uh, what's, what's the latest on uh, what people can read from you if they're interested in learning about the Colorado Buffaloes? Yeah, go to buffzone.com and uh, I mean we've we're covering everything. There's a lot of transfer portal news uh you know every week. It's kind of slowing down uh but you know a lot of features on uh, on some of those new guys coming uh to Colorado and um trying to make sense of uh, what a depth chart looks like. Um I don't even know what that's going to look like at this point and so <laughs> um but but you know trying to piece that together as all these pieces come together uh this summer. Yeah, it's roster then it's depth chart. So uh we'll, I'm, yes. I'm sure you'll be busy all summer with that. Brian, we appreciate the time. Thank you for the insight. You bet. Thanks. Love me a good research institution reference. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Co Colorado, uh, you know, maybe Barry's saying, hey, could be soon. Again, we've heard soon uh, reported on Gonzaga and now Colorado. Wake me up when someone actually yeah. uh, moves here. If it is Colorado, that takes it to 13 when to Texas and Oklahoma someone else leave. So like, like who, who else would join them? Do you like, then go get San Diego State just so you have a pair? Maybe. And you finally get in the Pacific well, time zone? That's and that, what we said That's the, the thing. Day. Like, it feels like there is a, a major push. If the Big 12 does excite to or decide to expand again, like, that's probably going to be somewhere on the West Coast. Like, they want that Pacific time zone. We're going to discuss a comment from the Iowa State AD, um, Jamie Pollard, coming up, where he basically says, hey, we, we're not, like, looking to do it. Just, like, if there's an opportunity, sure. But we're not, like – Actively no, going if to it, do it makes sense, then the Big 12 will do it. It's AK, if someone's ready to leave the Pac-12, then they'll go, but they're not going to go, come over here, like, before yeah. you even know the TV contract. Like, the Pac-12 needs to see what is the actual deal we're going to get, how much is it, and where are we. Brian alluded to the fact that, or said, hey, it's not about the, uh, you know, who, who it's with. It's kind of about the money. But it has to be about who it's with. If you're on some remote channel, you're going to be super irrelevant. You're already somewhat irrelevant. Colorado, it, to me, it feels like they never truly fit in the Pac-12. It's been weird for me the whole time. 
Brian said something I didn't know, which I don't know much about Colorado's alumni base, nothing, is most of their alumni base is in the Pac-12 already. So sort of philosophically, they're like, well, we like this, we like the stations, the locations. From their point, we've been there, done that in the Big 12. Like, what is it that we're going to gain? Well, it has to be TV money, it looks like. And yeah. It, but it, if, like, they're not going to be on the CW, like, for secondary or tertiary rights, you'd think. But, like, if they were, it's like, are you, are you serious right now? Maybe, maybe I'm just Apple leaning. Even Apple Plus, like, no one's going to be watching that. It's true. Maybe I'm just leaning heavily on the traditionalist of college football within me. Which is, I grew up watching Colorado play Texas and all these Big 12 schools. Nebraska, and Nebraska right. when they were in there. Like, that was, like, and Colorado was at their height. They, like, they were at the peak of their powers when they were doing it. They were a good football program. Cordell Stewart. and like, I don't think they care because they stink, maybe? Coy Detmer, for that matter. Coy Detmer. Ties right? he, was great, he had a great run in Colorado. Coy Detmer's dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would like Colorado Salam came back over. Fantastic player. They won a national championship in 1990. Yeah. As members of like. Was that the year they needed five downs to do it? Were they were they in the Big Eight at the time? I, I think, think it was the Big Eight. Yes. Right. But they were Big 12 in was like 95. They were they were kind of pushed in with that region of Texas teams. Totally. So I don't know. Maybe that's just just the tradition. Listen to me. Yeah. It says Colorado and the Big 12 feels right. It it makes sense to me. But they want the right money. But, but nothing makes sense now. Like, <laughs> rarely does anything like, that makes sense. So BYU sad. and UCF are in the same so football sad. conference. Hey, bring over San Diego State and Colorado. And frankly, both of those schools have great basketball programs. Yeah. Like, Colorado's a good basketball program. Let's go. Come on over. Let's do it, Doc. Let's do it. Let's make it 14 All right, teams. let's do it. Breaking news. Colorado and San Diego State for the victory. Let's go. Okay, from Taysom Hill to Jamal Williams to Kyle Van Noy, who we saw, uh, you know, playing golf the other day. BYU Sports Nation looks back at the best players at each position to play in the 2010s decade. Watch the all-decade team Memorial Day Monday, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Let's go. Up next, what did New York Jets GM Joe Douglas recently say about Zach Wilson that has us all saying, well, yeah, of course it's that way. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure to follow BYU Sports Nation on social media. Content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. Let's roll out today's headlines. BYU football ranks 60th in ESPN's Bill Connolly's post-spring SP Plus rankings. 42nd on offense, 80th on defense. That 60th was... 13th in the Big 12. Okay. College basketball insider and bracketologist Rocco Miller reporting yesterday that BYU men's basketball will host the Denver Pioneers as part of the Cougars' non-conference schedule. You see on the television screens in front of you, we have seven for sure things. San Diego State on November 10th, Morgan State, Vegas Showdown. Eight an with MTE, two in Vegas. Right, Fresno State at Utah, Georgia State, and now Denver. Those are all reported by some type of official designation. Or official on a few accounts. Yes. But you don't have to walk the planes to be a pioneer, Spence. I don't? Four members of the men's track and field team qualified for national after day one of the NCAA preliminaries in Sacramento, Cameron Bates, Javelin. Caleb Whitskin, pole vault, Casey Klinger, and Brandon Garnica uh, in the 10K 
Best of luck to everybody as the women's team begins competition today as well. 28 athletes vying for spots at Nationals. BYU men's golf competing in the NCAA National Championships today in Scottsdale, Arizona. If you remember, the Cougars, because of no Sunday play, will tee off today earlier than every other team competing. This is BYU's final round, so they will play their Sunday round on Thursday, alone on the course, nobody watching except for BYU players and the coaches. And then they'll compete on Friday and Saturday and have to wait and see what happens with the rest of the teams on Sunday. Hopefully there's good weather, ideal conditions, and BYU can do something they haven't done in this format, which is play well in this Thursday round. Remember, the Cougars won it all back in 1981. Is this the year they Where, can do it again? Where's the 81 shirts for the men's golf I, national title? I need, title? That. Come I on, need man. that. I should have that for multiple reasons. I was, just born, in, I was born in 81. So old. Put right. a, just put a one over that four. Trent Mosier is one of 20 players training to play on USA Volleyball's U21 team that will compete in Havana in two weeks at the Norseka Pan Am Cup. Mosier was on the team last year that won gold in Havana. Jackson Clough in Minor League Baseball hit a two-run home run last night for the Harrisburg Senators, part of the Washington Nationals organization. A 7-4 victory over the Redding Fighting Fields. It takes Jackson's home run total to three on the season. He's got eight runs batted in. Is it true they have to wear the wigs while they play? I have no idea. That would be out of the batting That'd be epic, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those are today's headlines. Now it's time to opinionate as we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. College Football News ranks BYU as the fifth best running back room in the Big 12. Is that position more uh, the most underrated position group at this point? Most underrated? I don't know. I think that it's the defensive backs as the most underrated group. Eddie, ha I don't think people understand how good Eddie Heckard really is. And Jacob Robinson is probably an underappreciated, undervalued part of the secondary, as is Malik Moore, Micah Harper. For me, it's BYU's secondary that's still the most underrated position group. The running backs are getting a lot of love. Like Athlon Sports' Aiden Robbins was a, you know, a second team, a second all team Big team, meaning he's one of the top four running backs in the Big 12. Whoa. I like what I'm hearing there. Hopefully that uh, comes yeah. to fruition. So I think that makes them not underrated. <laughs> underrated? Highly. Yesterday, New York Jets general manager Joe Douglas said something very interesting about Jets quarterback Zach Wilson. Quote, sometimes you don't take into account the ramifications of playing a young quarterback early in his career. I think going back, it would have been great to have a veteran quarterback like a Joe Flacco that first season. Remember, Joe played with the Jets in the second season. Jeremy, what do you make of these comments by Joe Douglas? Sometimes you did. Haven't we had enough case studies in this situation to know that yes. most of the time it's not a great situation? At least like six to eight games. Instead, he's being thrown out there. Obviously, Zach is the first one that needed to play better, but the situation wasn't ripe either. Mm. <sighs> yes, but we knew this before. We didn't need to see it play out. A shocker that Robert Sala, the head coach, is like, man, Zach working with Aaron Rodgers has been awesome. He's a sponge. He's soaking everything up. This is gonna help Zach become the player that we know he is. And the, he's, this is the reason we drafted him because we know what he can develop into. And now he's working with Aaron Rodgers. You're the, you think Brock Purdy would have done what he did if he was the starter no. in game one? No, no, he had to sit out and see it, right? 
Speaking of Zach Wilson, the Gambling Couchless podcast tweeted a photo of, quote, Big 12 legends. <laughs> Zach Wilson? What? Okay. And West Virginia quarterback Will Greer on the cover of the new college football video game. Is Zach Wilson a Big 12 legend? No, he is not. In fact, I was trying to think, did Zach Wilson even play a Big 12 team in his entire tenure at BYU? I don't think I he don't did. I don't think so, no. Didn't even he did even play one. I was trying to find, like, an in there. Like, oh, maybe he beat a Big 12 team? No. Like, like future Big 12 team, Houston. Houston, but yeah, but like, team. not, yeah, exactly. So, so no, he's not. If anything, he's a Sunbelt legend from the <laughs> amount of teams he's played in 2020 in the Sunbelt. Zach Wilson's a legend to BYU for sure, not a Big yeah. 12 legend. Yeah. And that's okay. Not it's all right. All like, right. Like, Jimmer Fredette was not in the WCC. Even yes. though in the league, they were like, show up, throwing up Jimmer. I'm like, he didn't play in this league. Jeremy, you referenced this earlier in an article from The Athletic yesterday. Oh. Iowa State's athletic director, Jamie Pollard, who I really like, by the way. Super nice dude, really well-spoken, and love how much insight he brings. He discussed how united the new Big 12 is, as well as the rumors surrounding Big 12 expansion. Pollard was quoted as saying, what we wanted to do is be positioned that if there were other conferences that had issues, the Pac-12, yeah. that the Big 12 would be a great landing spot. But we don't need anybody to come to the Big 12, so we're not actively looking to expand. We're not that desperate. But if the opportunity exists, we're ready to expand, end quote. Well stated. Should the conference consider not expanding if they're so united and in a good well, place? No, they're good. They're just, if it presents itself, great. If you can get to 14 and you can add like valuable brands, say what you will about Colorado and the madness of Deion Sanders, they're a valued brand with a great history. And San Diego State is a program on the rise. Take those two right now. Primarily because of what they've done with basketball and they're in the Pacific time zone. You, those two, come on over. Right now. Let's I go. Up next, our latest Deep Blue is a fantastic one. And on BYU gymnast Lindsey Hunter, how she overcame basically all the odds to compete at BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. I felt like I had to do something important with my life and I had to be stable, I had to go to college, have a steady income. So I went into nursing, but I had a couple art classes that I just wanted to try out. Once I started taking those classes, I realized that I loved it. I was doing this one painting, six hours go by, and I'm still painting. It didn't drain me, I, I just kept wanting to do more, and I had more ideas and things I could do better and more of and stretch and change. So I decided that life is short and I should just go with what I want to do instead of what I kind of thought I should do. I feel like it's hard not to become an adult and responsible and do what everybody else does because that's what I feel like the culture and what the systems in our society are making us into, I guess, I don't know. Like in school, you just have to do something a certain way and this is the formula to the solution and that's the only way, but there's always another way. So art is definitely 
definitely a risk. You know, you don't know what you're gonna do with it. You don't know what profession you're gonna create out of it. It's all up to you. But with nursing, it's like you know what's gonna happen and you know what your income is at this place. I just felt like the part of me would be missing if I didn't do art and I feel like I just have to do it. My sophomore year in high school, this is kind of like the year when in gymnastics you get recruited and so it was a bad time to get sick, <laughs> let's just say that. It started with me getting sick for three weeks with the stomach flu. I kept going to the doctor, oh yeah, it's just the stomach flu, don't even worry about it. So I would keep going to practice too during that time and I would just like, you know, be doing giants around the bar and I would be doing really bad because I was in a lot of pain, but I just like kept going. So then we went to the doctors again the nurses were like, here, just take this like stomach flu medicine and she's fine. And my mom's like, no, we're gonna get a blood test. My appendix had ruptured. So it hadn't, wasn't just like inflamed and I had appendicitis, it had actually ruptured. All these nurses kept coming in, just like one after the other saying, you're so lucky, you should have died. Every single one, you should have died five days ago. After I was in the hospital, I still couldn't stand up straight. I still couldn't like walk normally. I had to like hold my stomach as I walked around my house and everything. And in gymnastics, you kind of move your back a lot and stomach. So I just already made up my mind that I was coming back and I would be better than I was before. Now for Lindsay Hunter. So far, handstands have looked fantastic. Wow, another great set for the Cougars. Body position was great, the landing, that is a true stick. She has been out of this world good. <laughs> because I had a kind of near death experience as a teenager, it's definitely affected how I see my life now. I'm a gymnast at BYU and I love art and those are two very difficult things to do. And they take a lot of time and effort, but on my deathbed, what am I gonna regret in life? What am I gonna look back and think I wish I did that or I wish I didn't do that? And to me, I know I would regret not doing art. I like filling my life with things that challenge me because I want to look at myself at the end of my life and, and look at all the wonderful things I did and how I spent my life filling it with things I love and that excite me rather than things that I maybe thought I should do. I wish people knew what they were capable of. So I feel like people have very low expectations of themselves sometimes. And I think everyone has the potential to do something great.
Oh, what a story from Lindsay Hunter. And I love the tie over from just her general artistic ability into gymnastics because so much of gymnastics is about artistry yes. with what you can do physically. Lindsay right? Hunter, the Bob Ross of the <laughs> I love it. And hey, potentially do something great. Maybe, maybe we're shooting too low on BYU uh, football. Let's go. Do something great. I wish people knew what they were capable of. Eight and four? Nine and three? Ten and two? <laughs> Up next, our Rise and Shoutout goes out to a couple of teams chasing national championships in the very near future. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. 100 days till we're in that venue. Talking about BYU football, BYU Sports Nation On Demand. Download the free app to get all the content. If you could 100% guarantee a win over either Texas or Oklahoma this season, which would it be? Texas! Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Scuba Chewy on Twitter. <laughs> this year, Texas, says Scuba Chewy. They're supposed to be good. I think BYU can beat Oklahoma without the guarantee. Couple of, yeah, a couple of responses like that. Interesting. I, I enjoy these. Hey, we may not, might not need I the guarantee. I just want senior night to be Oklahoma. a happy night. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I want to guarantee. It's a happy night. Okay. Uh, FYI, we got a, a tweet or a, a message from Instagram from Christy Ford who said we we're talking about classes. There is, or at least there was, a U.S. sports history class at BYU. I took it in 2008-ish. I was here then. One of my favorite classes ever, I never says. heard about it. That would have been fun. You would have gotten an A. Who so would I. Who taught it? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It would have been a rare A uh, for me at BYU. Uh, four track athletes qualified for nationals. Cameron Bates of the Javelin. Caleb Whitskin in pole vault, Casey Klinger and Brandon uh, Garnica. In yeah. The Best of luck to everybody as they try and qualify this weekend. Good luck. Hey, men's golf doing their thing. Good luck today as they compete in their Sunday round on a Thursday. Yeah, good luck on this, the Sabbath of Thursday. <laughs> Our thanks to today's guests, Brian Howell and Lindsey Hunter. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. Hey, we've got uh, tape shows coming up Friday and Monday. Long weekend, bro. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, you shouldn't miss it. I mean, we put in the work so that you can still enjoy a Friday show. Uh, we also need to give a shout out to Rick Fair, repping BYU Men's Golf. BYU football in 2020, performing in a pandemic, a BYU Sports Nation special tomorrow at noon Eastern. Go Cougs. We're going to win! Mother, father, thank you for taking me.